0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Indubitably. I'm Kelly.
1: I am still Josh. Nothing has changed in the last week.
0: No, but occasionally people do need a reminder of who we are because I think we forget to say our names sometimes.
1: (laughs) Most of the time. Maybe. (laughs) Well, nothing's changed with us, but the world is going absolutely crazy this past week.
0: Yeah, there have been a few things in the news that have been especially wild.
1: Like just a couple hours ago, apparently Trump thinks he's getting arrested on Tuesday.
0: I was anticipating that there might be an indictment coming based on things we'd heard about the grand jury a few weeks ago, but Trump is very much convinced he's getting arrested and I'm very much going to have champagne on hand in case that happens.
1: (laughs) And also his buddy from Russia, Vladimir Putin, is now has an arrest warrant out for the ICC, the International Criminal Court. We'll see if that actually comes to fruition or not. But
0: I think the ICC can try people in absentia. so. That means it's going to be really effective and he's going to stop doing bad things, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, we might have to do an episode on the ICC and its effectiveness or lack thereof at some point.
0: But this news about Putin in particular has been moving attention away from the fact that Russia
1: downed a U.S. drone. Also in this week. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so much. I don't know the last time that a U.S. drone was just destroyed and we didn't really pay attention to it. Seems like a big deal.
0: I don't know. I don't really care for technology much. So this could have been happening weekly, and I probably wouldn't
1: have known about it. it. just seems like Russia attacking one of our aircraft would make the headlines. Although I suppose the first U.S. president that's potentially about to be arrested is slightly bigger than that.
0: Well, maybe there are ways that the drone downing draws attention to some improvements that can be made in our overseas aerial activities, to put it, as neutrally as possible.
1: <laughs> I don't know. The drones seem a, a little bit sketchy at this point. Maybe we should be using something a bit more high tech, like a balloon. Josh, I don't know if you know this, but balloons have been around a lot longer than drones. Okay. Well, if balloons are so old, then why is China using them to spy on us? Oh, okay. So you you
0: think that what we've been seeing happening around North America in the past month or two is pretty uh, sketchy, huh?
1: Yeah. These. Chinese spy balloons (laughs) seem like they're literally just trying to send this thing, uh, wait for it, under the radar and hoping to collect some surveillance under the auspices of a weather balloon.
0: Were they actually under the radar? I believe they were quite very much detected at the time.
1: Okay, but I don't think they were supposed to be.
0: Maybe. I don't know. But we saw... What we believe may have been weather balloons or research balloons or perhaps spy balloons across parts of especially the United States. So Montana, North Carolina in particular, and one of them even got at least one, maybe more, got down by U.S. military
1: planes. Mm -hmm. This seems straight up out of a like 1950s war movie, sending balloons to attack your enemy.
0: Planes versus Balloons, the final showdown. (laughs) Extra, extra,
1: read all about it. Podcast tackles controversies that define your world. Listen to Incubitably now. Extra, extra, read all about it. Actually, though, when I read the news about these Chinese spy slash weather... I suppose what you called them, research balloons, could be a neutral term that could apply to either one. So we'll call them, when these Chinese research balloons came across the news, I was a bit worried about you. Worried about me? Yeah, you're in Oregon.
0: Yeah, Oregon is like pretty chill. Except for like Eastern Oregon. We're not talking about occupied federal lands right now.
1: (laughs) Do you know Oregon's history with balloons?
0: I barely know Oregon's history whatsoever. I attended <laughs> elementary school in California. So <laughs> I don't know
1: what? what what happened. Well, history lesson for you and our listeners. Did you also know that during World War II, there were actually six Americans that were killed on U.S. soil?
0: I had heard something to the effect that there were a couple of American casualties
1: on U.S. soil during the war. I don't think I knew it was six people. And I don't think I knew where it was either. So it was in Oregon. It was a pregnant woman and five children. And they were at a picnic. And they were killed by... Guess what they were killed by?
0: A very small nuclear bomb. No. Now, I'm guessing that you're talking about balloons since that's what you've been talking (laughs) about for the last five minutes.
1: They were killed by balloons. So in this case, it was the first, I guess, arguably, but first successful intercontinental weapon. And these are balloons that were launched by Japan during World War II, across the ocean, sent to the United States. And I think the strategy was whatever happens happens, but we hope it lands on somebody.
0: So it was a balloon that had some sort of Weapon attached to it, or was the balloon itself a weapon? I kind of can't picture how a balloon
1: could hurt somebody. The balloons were carrying bombs, and the idea was they would keep these balloons afloat across the Pacific Ocean through this mechanism that would release sandbags and weights. So, as the balloon dropped in elevation, it would trigger the response, drop weight, it would raise back up in elevation. It would slowly drop again. It would drop more weight, et cetera, et cetera. And the idea was they tried to calculate out exactly what the formula would be that would get it across the Pacific Ocean and then hopefully have it crash with its bomb payload onto U.S. soil.
0: That must have been a massive balloon. And also, since they were likely aiming for the West Coast, There is a lot of empty land on this side of the country Mm -hmm. relative to like how the East Coast is populated. So that's quite the
1: gamble. Well, they sent 9,000 of them supposedly across the ocean and an estimated 1,000 of those made the journey. So there are apparently a thousand balloons that managed to reach the United States shore from Japan.
0: And they all wound up in like... High desert and unoccupied forests, and didn't touch any people except for like that one balloon.
1: Yeah, for the most part. So, there were hundreds of incidents that were reported, though. So, definitely a good number of these balloons were seen by people, but none of them were fatal except for this one that had crashed. I think the bomb had not exploded. And then, when this uh, picnic family, you know, and these kids had gone to inspect it, uh, it ended up detonating. And those were the six lives that we lost during World War II on American soil. Obviously, lots of lives were lost elsewhere.
0: I guess we're square with the whole nuclear detonations in Hiroshima and Nagasaki then, right?
1: (laughs) Okay, maybe not quite comparable. But what's interesting about this was as the U.S. government was getting more and more reports of the sightings, They actually decided that it would be dangerous for people to hear about these balloons. And so they stepped in to start censoring the stories about them because they were worried that the American public, the fear of these bombs would actually magnify the effect of the weapons.
0: There's one thing I know about Americans. They react really well to having information withheld from them. So it sounds like a successful strategy.
1: (laughs) Well, to be fair... The fact that people weren't told about these bombs might have directly led to this incident where we had the people lost to the balloon because they weren't told what it is. So you come across this huge piece of fabric and just stuff laying in the middle of an Oregon forest, of course you're going to go see what it is. Uh, And if you're not told that, hey, there are potentially thousands of these bombs just laying around, probably not a good idea to go up and look into it we get the situation that we got. That sounds awful. I think the government is bad. Well, you think the government's bad for all sorts of reasons unrelated to nuclear balloons.
0: But it's nice to have something specific to point to in which my conclusions are accurate.
1: In defense of the government, though, Mm. Japanese officers later, this is after the war, did tell reporters that the Japanese government had decided that this balloon bomb strategy was worthless and stopped sending them because as they were monitoring radio broadcasts in the United States, they literally just didn't hear anything about balloons. So they assumed, remember, this is you know this is during the 40s, so they're sending balloons across the ocean and they're not sure where they're ending up. They could be anywhere. And I think they were relying on news from the United States saying, oh my God, we're being attacked by balloons. This is crazy. We've lost so many people. And so because the US was censoring it, And the Japanese heard nothing about their balloons. They assumed that they'd failed and they stopped sending them. It's
0: nice to know that the strategy I was told to deflect bullies, which is to just ignore them, don't don't let them know they got to you, Mm. actually worked on a a foreign government's militaristic plans.
1: (laughs) And this whole scenario was actually the premise for the movie Paper Wings. Did you hear about that movie?
0: Well, I didn't even know that many people died, so I think it's safe to say Mm. I don't know about this movie either.
1: It was a documentary, and apparently a mother and daughter who had been involved in the sewing of the fabric of the balloons found out later that they had resulted in the deaths of these Oregonians. And as a way of trying to apologize or make amends, they had made over a thousand origami cranes, and they sent these paper cranes, or paper wings as the movie's called, They'd sent these over just as a token apology of sorrow, of uh, friendship, I suppose, expressing their remorse over what had happened.
0: That's a an impactful gesture, I suppose. I don't really know how it was received, but I imagine after the war ended, there was quite a bit of repair that needed to, to occur between the U.S. and Japan that maybe a thousand paper cranes couldn't quite uh, accomplish.
1: Yeah, probably for things more than... Paper balloon bombs. Yeah. You know, in the 1940s, this made sense, right? You're Japan. You're trying to attack America. Real hard to do it. Send balloons. Hope that a couple get across. But it's a bit weird that China is using this, quote, technology nowadays.
0: Quote technology? I think it still counts as technology, even if it's like silly analog technology.
1: (laughs) It's a balloon. I can go to Party City and buy like a thousand pack and blow them up. (laughs)
0: I imagine that these are constructed out of things, maybe not like latex balloons, perhaps something different. And also they're probably massive compared to what you can buy at the local party supply store.
1: Fine. Way to just destroy my dreams, Kelly. Thank you.
0: I live for crushing your dreams. So <laughs> critical hit.
1: So these these balloons are, according to China, as we said in our intro, they are weather balloons That just got blown off course and happened to end up over the United States of America. Can't control the wind. Seems plausible. Yeah, until we found a second and a third and a fourth one. So it seems like these uh, weather balloons get blown off course pretty often.
0: There's a lot of wind up there.
1: Mm. Sounds like these balloons must have been made in China. Not very reliable stop that <laughs> uh, but uh.
0: but there is a substantial belief among the people who are involved in investigating these balloons that they actually were made in china
1: and the construction of them like you said they're pretty large makes it hard to believe that they're weather balloons i mean even if just at face value you gave any credibility to the claim that they were a little bit of further investigation makes it even harder to buy that the Research balloon's height is about the same height as the Statue of Liberty, about 200 feet tall, with a jetliner-sized payload. Payload of what? Electrical equipment, high-tech equipment that could collect uh, communication signals as well as other sensitive information. And according to our government, at least, this equipment was quote clearly for intelligence surveillance. Multiple antennas and technology that was likely capable of collecting and geolocating communications. Seems like overkill for, is it going to rain on Monday? I think weather balloons
0: do a little more sophisticated data collection than that. But yeah, I don't think you'd have much success trying to build this out of party city supplies.
1: (laughs) And then beyond that, the video of the balloon did show small motors and propellers That would allow China to actively maneuver the balloon over specific locations, which makes it a little harder to believe that it just happened to end up over U.S. soil, a a weather balloon gone astray. I wonder how
0: much control they had over steering it if it wasn't actually an aircraft, though. Even with motors and propellers, the wind, especially the higher you get in uh, the atmosphere, is pretty strong. Is there a chance that it was just kind of a fluke?
1: I would say no. You look at the advanced technology on board. You look at the fact that it was steerable. You think if you make a balloon and you put navigational equipment on it, you would make sure that that navigational equipment could deal with wind. It's not like, oh shit, we sent a balloon up and there's this thing in the atmosphere called wind. We totally didn't see that coming. Didn't prepare for that. But on top of that, I think if you look at where the balloons ended up, It doubles down on the suspicion that they were there with malicious intent. Just because they were over the US? Mm, Not just the US, but they were over very specific parts of the US. So, one of them, for example, was shot down over Montana in a region that is home to the Maelstrom Air Force Base, where there are about 150 silos for intercontinental ballistic missiles, including the nuclear capable Minuteman III. This is much more advanced than the Minuteman 2, by the way. Minuteman 2, the the sequel to Minuteman 1. Right, but this is Minuteman 3, The Revenge. Fitting. (laughs) And this was not the only research balloon that was found. There were three more in the U.S., and there's multiple sightings around the world, which, if we've seen this many, I think that would imply that there is actually more out there? Possibly. It seems unlikely that... Knowing how big the world is
0: and how little of it we can see at any given time, we may have missed some. But we also have a good deal of satellites tracking things all over the world. Maybe we got them all?
1: Satellites, huh? Man, you think that if you had satellites, you could use those instead of balloons.
0: Maybe there's a reason that balloons were used instead?
1: I think the reason might be that you have an excuse. Like uh, If you find a satellite that's spying on you, uh, it's obviously a satellite. It's obviously spying. If you have a balloon, maybe they could be like, There's no way we would use a balloon to spy on you, is there? That would make no sense whatsoever. Of course it's here for weather.
0: Well, I heard. Because I do read some news occasionally. I heard that the suspicion was that China had selected balloons for this because they are cheaper than satellites. And in order to launch a balloon like this, you do not have to literally go to space to do so.
1: Fair. Maybe it's a... Kind of like the Japanese experiment, maybe it's just we're going to send these things over there and hope and if it works out, great. And if not, we didn't really sink much cost into it and we're not going to look that bad. U.S. isn't going to get super mad if there's a big ball of air floating over its border compared to a drone, for example. Very probably. What makes this more complicated is just last month, the U.S. So there were a couple of these things. One was shot down over Alaska. One was shot down um, in Canadian territory, actually. Last month, the U.S. called off the search for these flying objects. So it said it was unable to find any debris. And if we've given up on the search for it, maybe we'll never know what they were. But that just seems strange to me.
0: Are we starting to think maybe the search continued and we're just not being told much about it?
1: Yeah, I mean, come on. We're obviously tensions are high with China. There are these balloons coming across our border. We're told that they're spy balloons by our government. And then our same government is basically telling us, yeah, you know, we couldn't find them. So we just gave up. It's not a big deal.
0: Echoes of the Japan balloons, obviously, but also like echoes of other secret things the government does like Roswell and shit like that.
1: (laughs) No, exactly though. It, It makes you wonder when we're talking about spy craft, and intelligence, and how that interplays with war, and how this sort of information affects the general public, you have to ask the question, are they making the same decision that they made, you know, 80 years ago, where they just came to the conclusion that the public is better off not knowing? And so they say, yeah, we just stopped looking.
0: Some of the public that might be true for, but for like you and me, we deserve to know. We can handle it.
1: For sure. And our listeners, obviously.
0: Of course. Yeah. The very fact that you listen to indubitably shows that you all could handle hearing the truth from this
1: government. So what do you believe, though? Two parts to that. One, do you believe they're spy balloons or not? And two, do you believe that our government legitimately gave up the search for it? Or do you believe that this is a strategic decision on our government's part to just say, hey, We don't want China to know if we found them or not. We don't want our people to be worried about them. Any number of reasons they might hide the truth from us.
0: Well, you know how cynical I am.
1: And also how weighted the question probably was.
0: (laughs) Yeah, kind of. Uh, So one, yes, I, I do believe that the balloons could have been used for spying. I think that because of the technology used and how much smaller technology is and how much those balloons may be able to carry. They may have had multiple purposes, one of which may have been espionage. Maybe they legitimately were collecting weather data too. Who knows? But like that seems like an efficient way to maximize your resources. So yeah, I think it's very plausible that they were for spying. And then as far as the US government hiding information from us, of course I believe that to be the case. I've I've believed that probably since I became aware of the fact that the U.S. government was not as pristine of an institution as we were all led to believe in like third grade.
1: Okay, but this specific information, like obviously the government is hiding some information from us, but do you think in this particular case, Alaska is a big place, a lot of snow, balloons are white. Do you think they were unable to find them, or do you think they're lying about this in particular?
0: Can't know for sure, but I'm leaning towards we're being lied to for this particular case. There are probably some major implications if the government were to be honest with us about th- these particular balloons that could affect trade relationships with China. Perhaps people would start boycotting Chinese meat products or um, businesses and services that come from China. It could potentially raise tension with China as well, which is not necessarily an absent factor with the U.S.'s relationship with China. So, I can see many reasons that even if they were spying on us and we found the data that confirms it, the US government would have an interest in making sure that nobody heard about it.
1: Mm. I also just find it weird. Speaking of surveillance and spying and this sort of technology, we have drones and we have satellites that can comb basically every inch of the world. And the fact that we know where this thing was shot down. You're telling me that a 200 foot balloon being shot down over a specific location, we're not able to identify that. We're not able to find it after the fact. It seems a little bit weird to me, a little bit too convenient.
0: Maybe it got snowed on. Snowden? Snowden in Alaska. <laughs> Snowden's in Russia. <laughs> yeah.
1: So let's assume that they are lying. I think the next thing we would ask is, if they feel like the lie has proper reasoning behind it, there's obviously some motivation for why they would want to be lying that seems reasonable. Do they have a responsibility to tell us or is it okay that they're hiding things from us and and therefore maybe as a extension of that also hiding things from China?
0: Yeah, if they tell us about it, we're definitely going to either tell China or China will hear about it. So maybe it's not necessarily, and this is me giving a lot of credit to the U.S. government, maybe it's not necessarily keeping information away from Americans. Maybe it is keeping information out of circulation altogether to keep it away from foreign powers that they're suspicious
1: of. Hmm. They did eventually release the data about the Japanese war balloons. Do you think that's something that could happen here? Is in the short term, it's important that China doesn't know how much of their equipment was recovered, what we know, what we know that they know, what they know that we know that they know. I'll stop there.
0: Okay. I was getting a little dizzy. That was for a very specific conflict, which had a very defined start and end to it as well. The way that the US is operating internationally, especially as it relates to China, is kind of an enduring, for lack of a better term, minefield. And There may be reasons to keep this information guarded in perpetuity
1: as a result. What's interesting to me, though, uh, and this is not just when it pertains to spycraft, but I suppose war in general, is if we are a democracy, sort of like the Patriot Act, theoretically, we should have a say in what policies and actions our governments take. But giving us a say makes it impossible. Should we decide, yes, this is something that we want hidden? As soon as you give us a say in it, obviously that's that's off the table. So it's sort of a hard decision to make, to put aside the cynical Josh and Kelly for a second. If you are in the government and you do think that there's a good argument to be made for withholding information from the public, you can't give the public the ability to help in that decision, or you've obviously given them the information, and then it's too late.
0: Right. This is a representative democracy, and that is done in part because it's just more efficient that way. We as individual citizens don't need to vote on literally everything. And therefore, we don't need to read all of the data and evaluate it ourselves. So in trusting that our representatives are ensuring our best interests are upheld, we also give them the ability to keep things from us that could potentially harm us. Now, I do think the U.S. government goes overboard with that, but there are probably some things that it would be dangerous for us to know about, and it is a legitimate practice of the government to keep that information concealed for the time being. We just don't have the ability to arbitrate that ourselves.
1: I guess in my mind, I just think that it's a bit rich for a population who only remembers stuff for like three days to demand this information. We have a right to know. We need to know. Okay, cool. We found out. And then two days later, we totally forget about it. But the damage in terms of the Chinese government in this particular case, knowing what we have found out and getting the intel about their intel, that sort of damage is irreversible.
0: Hey, I remember the balloons and Pepperidge Farm remembers the balloons. And I think that's beautiful.
1: Oh my God. I guess at a certain point, we should be happy that it's just balloons. And we're not, you know, at least bombs aren't attached to them, right? Is it only balloons
0: we have to worry about? We've already mentioned a few things like drones and satellites and a few other things that seem pretty covert.
1: You're right. It is. (laughs) I was trying to be optimistic for a second, but it's definitely not just balloons that China is using to spy on us or us on them, to be honest.
0: Well, aside from the methods we've already talked about, is there anything else that maybe is also being utilized that we wouldn't really know about?
1: Ooh, I don't want to talk about this too much. I don't know if China's using them or not, but have you seen there's these like little spy mosquitoes?
0: No, I'm very allergic to mosquitoes. So <laughs> now I'm like doubly afraid of them.
1: So they made little, straight out of like a James Bond movie, these little mechanical mosquitoes with cameras and microphones, and they can fly around and gather information. That to me is scarier than a balloon.
0: It's wild that technology is able to get that small. (laughs) Uh, I don't like it.
1: And I'm surprised that you haven't heard about this, but you know the number one way that the U.S. is apparently scared of China spying on us? Mm,
0: Aside from, like, satellites and stuff? And spy mosquitoes, yes? I can't imagine there's something much bigger than, like, satellites and drones, honestly.
1: Kelly, I'm disappointed in you. You are like number one potential perpetrator of this particular method of espionage.
0: are you talking about something like social media, like TikTok?
1: Yep, it's the TikToks.
0: Well, good luck getting any information and value from anything that I do on there.
1: (laughs) Well, but did you see that the US government is actually threatening to ban TikTok in the United States?
0: I've heard talk about this. It happens like once a year, honestly. Oh, no, TikTok is a security concern. Download all of your videos from there before they shut it down for good. And I think they've actually done it a couple times before I really got active on it. And then yesterday, Biden appears in a TikTok video. So we're talking out of both sides of our mouth here, I think.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying that our rhetoric when it comes to TikTok is consistent, but there is at least more serious talk about banning the app If it doesn't at least in part divest itself from the Chinese companies that back it.
0: It seems a little strange to specifically go towards TikTok and the fact that it has Chinese ownership when there are many companies that Americans interface with that also do a lot of work in other countries as well. And again, there's really not much of value for intelligence. Not to say that I'm stupid, but I have seen some stuff on TikTok I follow a doll that speaks with a smoker's voice and talks about making banana bread. I don't think that China's interested in that.
1: Is this some kind of weird Chucky account?
0: Okay, his slash her name is Jasper. And if you get it, you get it. And I don't think you're going to get it.
1: <laughs> no, I don't get it. <laughs> but so TikTok might be a bit of a stretch and that might just be rhetoric and, and a bluff coming from our government. But there are very real bans. On other types of Chinese corporations, specifically in the communication field, things like Xiaomi or Huawei, where Huawei phones and communication equipment is actually banned in the United States to varying degrees.
0: We're still able to purchase those if we really want to, though, aren't we?
1: Well, you could, for example, buy a Huawei phone off of Amazon, and there are... U.S. service providers that would be compatible with that phone. You could go to AT&T, you could go to T-Mobile, to a certain extent, Verizon provides service for Huawei phones. So there are some restrictions, but you could get around it. But other types of communication equipment, like radio towers, for example, have been blocked by the U.S. government. China has not been allowed to build these sorts of structures in the U.S. I bet China's a little bit irritated by that. Yeah, I mean, I think they're probably like, well, we tried.
0: Well, if they've got our TikToks, what else could they possibly need? (laughs) And that's not the only effort that China slash Chinese corporations have made towards becoming more present on US soil. There are a lot of links between Chinese corporations and the government itself, which makes a lot of these relationships a little more tricky to discern. And maybe that speaks to the reason that the U.S. is skeptical of Chinese companies having more of a presence here.
1: Mm. To be fair, we're trying to do the same thing. I can think of multiple cases where the U.S. government has tried to get information about users from companies like Apple or companies like Google. And here, at least, the companies have basically rejected that over privacy concerns. In China, companies like Huawei or Xiaomi don't have that same luxury. They are basically intrinsically tied with the government to a large extent.
0: Even when U.S. companies like Apple are quote-unquote protecting our data, they still have a lot of it and they use it for their own purposes to find out more about us, to market to us, to spy on us, perhaps. So is a corporation operating out of China really that much different than a corporation operating out of America?
1: Yeah, I guess to a certain extent, I think that Apple or Google has more ability to influence my life with my data than China would.
0: Do you ever think of something, just think about something, and then you see a targeted ad for it the next day?
1: Yeah, yeah. well, you've heard the story of the girl that sued Target. Oh, yeah. Because Target knew that she was pregnant before she did. Before her dad did. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: She knew she was pregnant, but because she was using her credit card to buy things, there was a promotional thing sent to her house and she lived with her dad at the time. And in it, there were coupons for things like baby supplies, like diapers and whatnot. And the dad flipped out, why is Target marketing pregnancy to my teenage daughter, blah, blah, blah. I'm a big, scary patriarch. And then it turned out she was actually pregnant.
1: Companies are able to make wildly accurate predictions off of seemingly unrelated types of purchases or trends on behalf of a consumer. In this target case, for instance, they know that when women start buying larger quantities of unscented lotion or supplements like calcium, magnesium, and zinc, or extra large bags of cotton balls alongside of hand sanitizers and washcloths, it is a signal that they could be getting closer to a delivery date. None of those things are directly related to being pregnant.
0: Yeah, like she could just have eczema.
1: Yeah, or just germaphobe.
0: Very valid position to take these days.
1: <laughs> right. But these are the sorts of things that tipped off Target to send advertisements for very clear baby supplies to their house. And that's how her father discovered that she was pregnant.
0: I like to keep marketing on its toes by being just so all over the place. They can't pin me down. The last free thing I was sent was a Lucky Charm cereal bar. That was made with marshmallows that have gelatin in them. And it's like, you don't know me at all corporations. (laughs) I did feed it to my niece though.
1: Did she think it was magically delicious? Happy St. Patrick's day, by the way, going to be belated by the time we release this, but happy St. Patrick's day to our listeners.
0: May you all have the lucky charms that your heart desires.
1: (laughs) Well, anyway, so the point is whether it's corporations American corporations, Chinese corporations, or Chinese corporations tied to the Chinese government, there is a lot of data and a lot of information that could be found out through, I don't know about TikTok, but certainly through our smartphones and the type of information that we give through our actions on those phones. And the US government at least has decided that it is dangerous to give China any sort of foothold into our society, our culture, our population by allowing those devices to spread.
0: And the U.S.'s concerns about China's encroachment into America to find out more information doesn't end when it comes to corporations who are trying to sell things to us slash spy on us. But the government itself, for instance, China attempted to construct a pretty expensive Project in Washington, D.C., a pagoda on a site that was at a higher elevation than a lot of the surrounding area in D.C., which could have been a pretty prime location for intercepting communication.
1: Or maybe they were just trying to track the weather with the pagoda. It's a weather pagoda.
0: A lot of things about that project also made it sketchy, in addition to the fact that it was at a higher elevation. For instance, the materials that were going to be used to construct it were going to be sent over to the U.S. from China in diplomatic containers or packaging that the U.S. customs or whatever other agency could be involved would not be allowed to inspect.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Some of this stuff seems a little bit overly paranoid. TikTok, that one seems like it might be a valid choice. I think that the fact that China said you can't inspect it made them
0: want to inspect it even more.
1: <laughs> right. Perhaps
0: nobody would have looked too closely at a bunch of nuts and bolts that were sent over in like Ziploc bags.
1: Mm-hmm. And so just make it look like you know what you're doing and nobody's going to question you. That's the approach they should have taken.
0: Yeah. It's like Matt Damon's character on 30 Rock said, you can walk anywhere when you're wearing a pilot's uniform. I've been inside the White House when the Obamas were sleeping.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of this... Spy stuff begs the question, though, is it going to stop at spying? If this much effort is being put into information gathering, there has to be a point to that information. It has to be there to be used for something. And I think the rate we're going at, it's not hard to imagine uh, that we're getting real close to things getting real worse.
0: One, I think you're discounting a little bit that China just might be a messy bitch who likes hot gossip. But yeah, there's probably an agenda where it's getting this information that can form a lot of the power plays they may be intending to make internationally.
1: Well, and and U.S.-China relations have certainly not been improving recently. Because of these Chinese research balloons, Antony Blinken, who is our Secretary of State, had a trip planned to China and subsequently canceled it. That'll show them if you send weather balloons over our border, we're not going to visit you.
0: Oh, no, we don't have to prepare for company. What a punishment.
1: <laughs> Spoken like a true introvert. <laughs> yeah, got me. And, you know, recently I can think of other examples where visits or non-visits by foreign officials made kind of a big stink. I'm thinking of Nancy Pelosi going to Taiwan. That was pretty controversial. Mm -hmm. And China as a country is very big on symbolism. What does that action signify, even if the action itself wasn't that big of a deal?
0: If China has this much of a concern about gathering data on us and knowing what China prioritizes in terms of context and gestures and symbolism, as you've said, they are probably scrutinizing everything that we do or everything that our officials do to look for indications of how we think and feel and then anticipating their next move based on that as well.
1: And I think it's important to note at this point that the setting for all of this is a world in which the United States over the past decades has been the world hegemon, militarily, politically economically. And we're coming to a point now where as US control arguably, maybe not arguably, is waning, Chinese control, definitely not arguably, is growing. And we are not too far off of the point in which China will slash is trying to replace the United States as the world hegemon. And so that's sort of the backdrop for all of this spying and gesturing, etc. And it's what makes these efforts so impactful geopolitically or economically or dare we say militarily. Do you think that we're getting to a point with all of that being understood? Do you think we're getting to a point where all of the talking and all of the symbolism could potentially turn into concrete action?
0: Possibly. The United States does seem to have a fear of China being a global superpower. Whether or not that means that it is actively challenging the United States, just the fact that it exists in such a prominent way and a a growing way scares the United States. But there are other tensions that are informing a lot of the behaviors between these two countries that do have more of a diplomatic and military purpose or undercurrent. That make it not just about, oh, China's got a bigger economy than the US now. It's a little more scary than that.
1: But I think that the economic component of this is an important one to understand. And maybe this is where some of that information gathering from things like TikTok are important because who wins the economic war, if you want to call it that, and if if that is a thing that's happening, who wins the economic, certainly competition does set up to have an advantage in these other things these geopolitical competitions or military competitions for example we will talk about taiwan we did a full episode on taiwan you can check that out and the semiconductor industry inside of taiwan is a huge concern that has implications for smartphones speaking of huawei or apple etc it has implications for the automotive industry and so winning The economic war, because of those ramifications it has on very vital goods and technology, also gives an advantage in a real war.
0: That almost makes it seem like China is attempting to win the global economic battle with the intention of it being a strategic placement for an actual militaristic battle, when it seems to me that it's just more incidental. The fact that China has been growing as an economy, and it has been for, you know, basically as long as we've been aware of it, that has just been trying to get China positioned well for itself and for its people, not necessarily because it wants to take down America.
1: Okay, but if something like a smartphone, or even an app on a smartphone, if it has implications in terms of intelligence gathering as a spy tool, and it has implications economically, and it has potential implications militarily, do you think then that it's reasonable for the U.S. to look into banning TikTok, right? We kind of laughed about it as an overreaction on the part of our government, but whether it's intentional or whether it's incidental, getting ahead of something like this seems like it might be a good idea.
0: But what incentive does China have to really do much with that information. They don't want America to cease to exist because we're such a big customer base for Chinese products and services. I can't see a reason in which they would go on the offense with a lot of this. I could see it being strategic towards furthering their business endeavors and economic goals. What does China have to win if America really loses?
1: Well, when you say going on the offensive, so we have diplomatic posturing as maybe phase one of an international conflict. We have spycraft and information gathering as potentially phase two, an economic competition, phase three. And then if we were to move things forward, I'm not suggesting that China is going to directly attack the United States, but there's certainly opportunity for proxy wars. Taiwan being the premier example, but Ukraine being another example. To stay on Taiwan for a second, if China is able to gain enough power that in the event Taiwan does decide to try and become independent and China does go in and forcefully maintain their control of that region, if they have enough of an advantage on the United States, maybe the United States can't do anything about it, can't come to the aid of Taiwan as it has suggested that it might.
0: Well, Taiwan definitely is a point of pride for China that seems to supersede their own economic and political interests. They want Taiwan to be a part of China officially, kind of at the expense of those goals in some cases. So it does seem reasonable that China would take information it has gathered and its economic stance to further its goal
1: for retaining, quote unquote, ownership of Taiwan. Because all of these things are so interrelated, given the backdrop that we laid out before, if China's goal is just to be able to say, hey, we are the new world superpower, really anything it can do to undermine the US is useful. And if they happen to be able to make some money, gain some information, etc. at the same time, cool. And I think that's where Ukraine comes in. So in just a few days, Xi Jinping is supposed to be traveling to Moscow to meet with Vladimir Putin. And this is seemingly despite the ICC arrest warrant. And China has been providing non-lethal support to Russia for its efforts inside of Ukraine, with Antony Blinken suggesting, again, our Secretary of State, that China might be exploring providing lethal support to Russian troops inside of the Ukraine.
0: And China denies that. China denies it's going to be supplying weapons or has supplied weapons for this
1: specific conflict. Well, maybe if we had some Apple cell phones in the pockets of Chinese workers in some of these weapons factories, we would know whether or not that's true.
0: Yeah, the best we have to go off of is an educated guest when it comes to that particular issue. Maybe we should put out a rival to TikTok and everyone in China will want to have it on their phones. <laughs> and then we can weed through all of their dancing and baking videos and find
1: out what the real tea is. the one person that has posted a useful video or or had their camera open at a useful time amongst the millions.
0: There's a lot more people in China than in in the U.S. So the odds go up substantially that there's going to be something of value when they use our app.
1: But the United States has obviously made the war in Ukraine a large part of its current foreign policy. And the stronger Russia is, and the more drawn out or expensive or expansive the conflict in Ukraine becomes the worse it is for the United States, which in contrast means the better it is for China. If we
0: agree that there's a zero sum game, but do we think
1: there is? I think in this case there is because the United States is being forced to focus in large part on this conflict and dealing with Russia. A lot of Biden's rhetoric has to do with Putin. He came out and said, it's great that this arrest warrant has come out for Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin has definitely committed war crimes. That really damages our relationship with Russia. And at the same time, now Russia goes to China to strengthen their relationship. That means that China's standing in the global community goes up. While we're focusing on Ukraine, China is looking to develop ties in other parts of the world. We did another episode on African development and the connection that China has with different African countries. So China, with minimal effort, providing minimal support to Russia and letting Russia do all of the work, is essentially waging an economic geopolitical proxy war with the United States over regions like Ukraine and Taiwan? I can see
0: that even if it's not technically a zero sum game the
1: countries are behaving as if
0: it is that if one country is to do better then necessarily the other country
1: must be doing worse mhm and i think that comes to be because of how interconnected all of these things are there's a reason that i think we can keep referencing we've done an episode on that and we've done an episode on that is because all of these seemingly separate instances and theories spycraft nuclear weapons Sanctions, development aid, etc., 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 all work in tandem to either raise or lower a country's standing in the world.
0: Why can't we all just get along?
1: Because I need my TikTok video to get more views than yours does. You don't even use TikTok, poser. (laughs) That's true. That's true. I'm proud of it. (laughs) What about I? So I said it earlier. Do we give any credit to the idea of a potential, actual war with the U.S. Not a proxy war, but China sending, even if it's just a balloon with a bomb, sending something to the U.S., killing a U.S. citizen on U.S. soil, or vice versa. The U.S. government, U.S. military harming a Chinese individual on Chinese soil. Any worry of that, this getting that far?
0: Not in the traditional sense. I don't believe that the United States or China would find it in their economic interest to have an actual open hostile conflict like that if we were to be in that position we would necessarily have to stop buying chinese products there would be a blockade or an embargo or something that restricted buying anything from china because any of that money could therefore go to chinese aggressions against the u.s and similarly there are still things that china gets from the united states as well like debt
1: (laughs) which we also did an episode on
0: We have an episode on that, too. So there's just too much economic interconnectedness that makes it seem incredibly unlikely that there would be any sort of actual traditional war between these two countries. It's almost like the McDonald's theory on steroids.
1: I think at this point, too, though, so hear me out here. I actually would argue that the U.S. has more of an incentive to attack China than vice versa. Because every day that passes, China is seeming to get stronger and the U.S. is seeming to get weaker, which means that for right now, it's in China's best interest to just wait and maintain, keep sending over spy balloons, keep getting a little bit of information at a time, keep the economic pressure up, keep developing allies around the world, taking them away from the United States as we do the stupid shit that we do and lose allies (laughs) and as that power starts to switch the longer china waits the better position it would be in were a conflict to arise the best position for china would just be to wait out how much the
0: united states is kind of uh incompetent in a lot of regards and see that inevitably run its course our economy is unsustainable the way that it is. The dwindling slash non-existent middle class is a pretty big indicator of that. The way that the United States operates internationally is only drawing more criticism and putting them into a more adverse position. I'm calling it them and not us. I don't count myself as part of this whole mess. I didn't sign off on how many U.S. military bases are all around the world, and yet there are zero foreign military bases on U.S. soil. The U.S. is not really good at maintaining friendships, although it cultivates quite a few. It's uh, it's uh, losing its stance internationally,
1: right? But and if you play that out, here's my point: if you play that out, either one of two things has to happen: either the United States needs to think about taking action against China to stop this role reversal, this power grab on their part, or the United States just has to accept that it is going to be passed up as the superpower?
0: I think there's a third option. And it relies on a lot of the things that China is doing, being replicated by the US, such as having more of a presence in areas where development is only growing. Perhaps Africa is is pretty much claimed by a lot of Chinese corporations, but there are other areas in the world where there is a development trend that the United States could do more to have a presence in. For instance, if if we're cultivating an international reputation in a specific way rather than uh, the current way, which is not good, then there are ways to keep a stance or improve a stance that don't necessarily mean aggression towards China. Mm.
1: I think you're right. The other relationship that we have to rely on would be that with Europe. It's getting to the point where a U.S.-European coalition would be the thing that's able to stand in the face of a Chinese and, to a certain extent, Russian coalition. And that's been basically the U.N. Security Council since its inception. But as opposed to the U.S. being able to rely on itself to maintain that balance, we might have to make sure that we play nice with Europe to help keep China in check.
0: That seems like a pretty reasonable strategy. Unrelated to this conversation, I I had heard that in Europe, a lot of the global powers there or economic powers in Europe were frustrated with how much of Africa China was involved in with a lot of Europeans thinking, but that's our continent to exploit. (laughs) So they're they're not super uh, happy with China beating them to the punch, so to speak. Not that I like the colonial mindset, but if Europe is already frustrated with China's behavior globally, then it only makes sense to redouble its efforts to maintain good U.S. relationships. We've got NATO. We've got a lot of partnerships with a lot of countries in Europe that are favorable, or at least not as tense as relationships with countries like China, that the U.S. probably should be turning to.
1: Oh, my gosh. This episode went real quick from... Oh my God, balloons to <laughs> full-scale war. Butterfly effect and all. What's a butterfly effect? But it's a, this kind of thing, a, a balloon effect? So maybe we should be happy that we're still at the balloon stage. Give thanks that it hasn't gotten past that. As far as we know, we're just at the balloon stage. The
0: government is lying to us.
1: So maybe this just brings the episode full circle and answers some of the questions we had earlier. China sends over balloons, hopes they don't get caught. They do get caught, but the US government isn't going to make a big deal about it. It's not going to make announcements. not going to make proclamations. They're going to cancel a visit or two. And we are just going to sit in a holding pattern where they send over balloons. We pop them. Everybody goes about their business. And that's about as good as it's going to get.
0: We'll say in a holding pattern when it comes to espionage and undercurrents of actual war, but there is going to be a shift in who the major economic superpower is between u s. and China. I think it's inevitable. And I am a little concerned about what's going to happen when it when it actually comes to fruition. Perhaps the balloons will guide us through that when it when it when it comes to be.
1: I'll get worried when. I see Kelly starting to post her TikTok videos from a Huawei phone.
0: There's no way I'm ever quitting my iPhone as much as I hate American corporations slash every corporation ever. I just know how to use this phone already.
1: (laughs) And that's how they get you. They make sure things are simple so you can enjoy your life. You've got your 24-hour attention cycle. And by tomorrow, you'll all have forgotten that these balloons even exist.
0: That's the American way, Josh, and I don't like you deriding it.
1: (laughs) But luckily for you, once you forget the balloons exist, next week we'll be back at you with another episode about a new topic for you to forget.
0: If you'd like to admonish Josh for suggesting that you are forgetful, our beloved listeners of Indubitably, you can yell at him on our social media, Twitter and Facebook. We are at Indubitably Pod, And... I would happily pass on any insults that you send his way.
1: (laughs) Go ahead and insult me, Kelly. See what happens. I'm not going to come over to your place for my next visit anymore. Uh, Good. (laughs) The the Anthony Blinken strategy is not working for me. Nope.
0: See, if you're antisocial like me, that's not really a threat. It's like
1: a relief. I'm going to send balloons to you with snarky messages.
0: If you want to waste your money being petty, go for it. It's like you and I are China and the U.S. I don't know which one's which, but I don't like that comparison. I,
1: I don't know. I don't know.